Go ahead. Learned how to play instruments. Wait, you heard the DJ premiere learned how to play instruments? At Travis Scott's father's house. Because Travis Scott's father ran a band. Huh. And his when uncle, they were young in Houston? He was young in Houston? His uncle Travis, who he's named after, was one of those players in that house where Primo learned to play different instruments from Travis Scott's dad's band. Damn. Because I listen to podcasts. That's the only way I know that. Ha, well, you are tuned in to season two, episode three of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. My special guest, if you don't know yet, is one of my greatest friends and, and partners in uh, this whole life. Babu Blakes is in the house. <laughs> How you doing, Matt? I'm lying. I only have you here because I don't want people to say, oh, you don't ever do Austin, dolls. Yeah, my Austin, though. Yeah, you're you're Austin enough. No. Literally, like, I probably, I mean, I've had some of my favorite musical memories with you. You know, I was thinking about how you're going to have to work real hard to make this a good episode. Mm. You think about who you had on here. Who was Episode two was Solly Williams. Yep. Okay, so I can watch the rodeo footage and I can hear his music, right? Yeah, man. So I'm like, what is your angle for a Bavu Blake's interview um, <laughs> in 2022? Let's get it. To be honest, I think a lot of people, first of all, podcasting and being a comedian and all this, it's like the new guitar DJ thing. Like when we were young, everybody was playing a guitar. Many people were. And we, the next generation, everybody was a DJ. Now everybody's a comedian. Everybody has a podcast. Everyone. Yeah. You know, and I've watched <clears throat> as a quote unquote music journalist in time. I was never really the person who was just getting the press release and calling the publicist about interviewing the guy that came out this week. I see where you're going. And basically, Talk So Real is me talking to my friends. I mean, like, if someone were to present me someone really interesting that could be just great, maybe it could happen, but I'd probably, I'd rather just shoot a text to you and say, come over and let's, let's do this. Fair enough. And we go back 25 years. Easily. For real. Officially. When you More like 28. Someone actually, and I'm trying to think, my brain is really slow on things sometimes when it comes to remembering exactly who said what, but someone was like, man, I remember the first time I saw you, me. He's like, that dude, man, you at the, at, what was it, Ruta Myers or something? That dude, man, you were, he was just rapping in your face. Like, he was like so disrespectful. And I was like, oh, Bavu, Ooh. Bavu Blakes. That was our first time. I didn't know your name. I did, it was an open mic, and I said, up next, Bavu Blakes. And you just did your whole freestyle about how your name is Bavu, and you made that very clear. Yeah, it was a good performance. Yeah. I don't know about disrespectful. It wasn't. No, it was fine, but yeah. I didn't think that. Because I just sat there and was like, I've done this a million times. I know what this, what's going on. And I just got right. up and said, Bavu Blakes, everyone. Thank you. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is the 90s. That's 90s. Which means good luck catching me at an open mic or a performance or something sober. I, like, I don't even yep. know if that actually has. I don't know if that ever happened. Man. I don't know if I ever had a sober performance in the 90s. Yeah, see. You know. Yep. And by the end of it was, you know, hump day. We started doing that. And that was more of a reason to not be sober. Man. Because it was so fun and there was nothing to remember. But anyway, uh, yeah. Is that, is, that how we, is that how we met, though, at that was the, That was our first experience, for sure, at Rudamaya yeah. Hip Hop Coffee Shop. That's right now, here. Now it's Halcyon. Yeah. 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 I remember that. That was fun. It was. 
was. Those days were uh, real fun. I mean, I remember when we did it in Houston, we brought like Sockeye from here in Austin, Heads and Dreads from Dallas. Yep. They were there. You know, well, Sockeye was there that night. Yeah, you were for talking sure. About. I, the funny thing for me is that I remember who I was for the most part, but I was making a lot of impressions as an artist. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was always drunk at least and so that's what's hilarious is i get to learn stories to this day mm-hmm. i still meet people they're like this happened this happened this happened this happened i don't know any of those things happen but i know the shows happen yeah for sure i mean it's terrible i mean it's not terrible we we were drinking them beers and things we weren't we didn't we weren't on a uh, four bars nah <laughs> things like this like they they may be doing but and shoot, living in Austin in the 90s? Yep. We were kicking it. Yeah. When I met you, I think it was my second year out of the house. Yeah. You know, I was here for school. So it was an opportunity to freely mess around because that's something that Austin, a lot of people are attracted to Austin for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I've seen many, many, many wealthy people, you know, pro athletes, et cetera. They can come here and get trashed and get out of the car in the middle of the street and yada, and nothing seems to happen. I don't know if it's still like that, but that's the Austin I experienced. No, back then, man, yeah, it was it was just fun. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun. I think it's still fun for the youth, but I do see it is different. I mean, it's not, you know, we're, we're talking right now during South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> we're in the apartment. This is the, we're not out down, down to the event right mm-hmm. now, but you wouldn't get me down there. Oh man, no, I'm telling you. You <laughs> you think you would get me. I have PTSD from the whole thing and I gone down Monday and Tuesday and was like, it's kind of back. Mm. And when I say back, like you could really just walk around and wander in and out of places and it's not packed. There's you don't see lines everywhere. Gotcha. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's some that I I didn't see, but like anything we try to do, it was just chill. Okay, I'm you not know? gonna miss LL Cool J on a Dorito stage this time. Mm, no, see, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, mm-hmm. we can relate it to like how this is almost come full circle to where this is a year where it's not as corporately dominated. There's a few shows that are bigger than, you know, average, but nothing is just ridiculous, you know, and that's part of what happened here in a lot of places. It got kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The investments and the things we wish for—we want the money, we want things to grow, we want this, we want that—and then they do do they do that, and it's it gets all so far out of your hands and out of control. Yeah, scaling. Yeah, expansion. I walked right into uh, <laughs> Flamingo Cantina, talked to Doug Mecca and Zach, talked to Saw Certified and Corey Kendricks and the Southside Hippie, mm-hmm. <laughs> all do their thing. Nothing's changed. So much has changed, and nothing's changed at all. Mm. That but, goes for a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> like us, and uh, a long 25-year, at least, friendship, it's really um, it's exciting. Because, I mean, honestly, you are one of my favorite MCs. Thank you. And I love that you have transformed into so many other things over time. Like, how many... Artists have, and my, I mean myself included, like still hovering around this shit to a certain extent. When sometimes I'm like, "Man, are you ever going to be an adult?" I don't know. Hmm. Me, not you. 
Yeah. You're I mean, adulting quite well. And I mean, if you're an artist and things are working in your favor like mm-hmm. that, it can work out quite well for you too. You know, for me, it was like the intimidation of a wife and kids. Mm-hmm. When that started, I was intimidated about failing at that. And then there was the heartbreak that I experienced occasionally, like in pursuit of different dreams related to the music. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that either. So no, I, hear I, I think in a lot of ways, uh, I don't know, fear and intimidation and insecurity caused me to do what looks like growing up. <laughs> well, I feel you, but thats I don't think you become a teacher, you become a great teacher without having some sort of real calling. Oh, now that's a fact. That's you a know? fact. That's a fact. Yeah. And yeah, I wonder sometimes, like, is that what I was doing on the mic in some different twisted type of strange way? Very much so. That's what they say. But allegedly, I was the last person to be surprised. Um, no, no, no. I was the most surprised, I should say, in becoming a teacher. But I, I didn't see that coming for a long time until we started doing different after school programs and, you know, different pop-ups in schools. Then I was like, Ooh, Ooh, there's a lot of energy in here. Woo woo. But no, I never saw that coming. I, I mean, growing up, I wanted to be like a nightly newsman. Yeah, I know. And then I, right. I did an internship right around the corner from here and was like, KBS over there. Yeah. Yeah. It was right around, right across. Right the, out stack. I did an internship there. And after about two weeks, you know, with a uh, Mike, I can't remember his real long last name. Walt Makaborski. I don't know. And uh, Shelton Green and Judy Maggio. I think that's all the people that. Anyway, I got about two weeks into that internship and I just walked out and never returned. And then that same semester, I, I just walked out of my bachelor's degree. Like it was the last semester and everything. Mm. But I had done this root show at the union and we had an in-store across the street at tower records. Oh man. This was 97. And I was just like, man, I'm eloping. And I just eloped mm-hmm. just straight up eloped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which, you know, I, I don't know who I would recommend that to. Um, you get through life and you stay alive long enough and you see the value of things. And then it's justified. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was kind of crazy. It was just like scratching the itch that I'd had for the longest time. I wanted to be on a lot of vinyl. Got that done. Wanted people who are real legit that I look up to to say that I was like dope, you know? Reminds me of that Toby song. Yeah. Miss Badu told me I'm dope. Oh, yeah. I remember when Miss Badu told me I was dope Mm. the first time, and it was a big deal. You know, it's a big deal. I, I remember that feeling, you know, um, and. But after you scratch all those itches, like, OK, I'm on a, I'm on a lot of vinyl. Um, people I really, really admire say that I'm great at this. For some of us, that is the goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think so. But that's for some some people never realize, though, that this industry is a money laundering game. The music industry, when you really want to get into it and you really want to figure it out, there are people who have made big hits and have lived and subsided, you know, existed off their music. But along that way, there were many other things that had to happen. As far as any business, it's an investment, and the oil companies aren't investing in us. 
Uh. These are other there's other oil investing in in uh, rappers and such. It's tricky. I never really. And I've known legit people. I want to make it clear. I've known legit business people who have tried to jump into the record business and things like that, but it uh-huh. they did not last long generally. Yeah. Well, I think money laundering is a a time tested tradition in our in our social reality here. So I get it. No, it is, but I think that's what sets a lot of things apart. I mean, it is what it is. Like, I never had a ton of money. I never had a ton of money dropped on me. Mm-mm. It is what it is. We do what we do, you know? You don't become the number one podcaster in the world without marketing promotions. Mm. It all costs. It's not like just being cool. Mm. You know, and that's what I've always loved. And to be honest, I'm way more interested in a Bobby Blake son of Jay-Z. Mm. I'd like to know who the kid is right now. I mean, I've heard some things that I, I like recently, but not much. And uh, actually, recently, I felt like, because I was hating for a little while. I was having a hard time in the mumble rap era. Not like that's totally gone, but when it really got so dominant, I couldn't really, I couldn't be around it. Yeah. But then you hear people, it all hip-hop's always gone, like that rap music has always gone, is just with the biorhythms of life. Yep, yep, It's yep. great. It's boring. It sucks. It's boring. It's great. It's up and down constantly. Yeah. And then things change so much with the times, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, hmm, if I was like under 30 now, right? Mm-hmm. Not under 50. If I was under 30 now with kind of the same, you know, skill sets, interests, ambitions, background, whatever, who would I be now? Mm hmm. My best guess is Bobby Sessions. Hmm. That's my best guess. Yeah. That I would be Bobby Sessions. <laughs> Not bad. Well, I don't I I wonder like Does that make sense? Yeah, it does okay. make sense. Okay. If I was eighteen, would I be stoked for you know what what people were doing a few years ago? Like or what they you know, like the really simple, ridiculous shit that I mentioned this to Sally. We talked about funk, mm-hmm. and we both witnessed, you know, EDM. I mean, first of all, let's be keep it real. We know where hip hop started. We know what Planet Rock was. We know that this is not just totally new. There's always electro elements stuff. But when the EDM of the 2000s, yeah, really crept into rap music, it kind of that's where I, you know, a lot of that shift started coming. It became more simple. And my question to myself is, if I was 18 years old, like the same guy, mm-hmm. would I be into what they call hip hop these days. And I think about it. And I think when I was young, I hated posers. Yeah. I hated people that just were totally about looking at themselves and talking about, you know, being fake. Yep. And that's what I see in a lot of music and culture and artists. It's too easy to copy now. Yeah. We didn't have a blueprint in our pocket. Right. I think that comes with the benefit of legacy, right? Yeah. People looked at punk and hip hop and, you know, things that are, not standard culturally mm-hmm. that's exciting it's a new wave yep so now you know there is no going back to that new new wave it's just like the latest iterations and i think that's different so yeah i wonder the same thing like if okay if i was 18 now would i be attracted to this but i don't think people look at it the same as they did in a different time it's well, not necessarily cutting edge it's just part of culture and it's definitely a strong opportunity if you want to um, launch yourself into entrepreneurship and all of that business. 
fame. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of different things now. It wasn't as many things. Back I mean, in the day. well, you said the the keyword culture. Mm-hmm. We always knew about hip hop culture and punk culture, whatever hip hop culture and what it is, but it wasn't such a like when we were young. Culture was for sure not a buzzword. Mm-mm. It wasn't being used in boardrooms to try. It, it was. I mean, hip hop and and punk especially both got co opted really early on before any of this stuff. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. But think about when you when you were sixteen, seventeen years old, rapping. Mm-hmm. Did you ever once think of, in this terminology, branding yourself? No. No, that wasn't a thing. We weren't brands. Not Run DMC. Run DMC was. I mean, but that's why they were Run DMC. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Run DMC was a force. Yeah, that's different. I mean, I understand but but the visual. No, the you can logo, have a logo and you brand, can have a branding, yeah. but yourself. No, people, a human being. Yeah. As a brand, Mm-mm. that wasn't a concept until I got older, and I was like, it really confused me, tripped me out a lot. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about when. When we were going up to Music World back in the day, Beyonce's father, Matthew Knowles' company. Oh, boy. Well. I went there with you one day. Yeah, you did. (laughs) And uh, I'll tell you, when I was just, I was there randomly, probably not the same exact day, but they were talking about the product. Yep. And the product and the product and the product. And I was like, what is it? What is there, a CD? What is it? No, they were actually talking about Beyonce, the human. Ah, yeah. They were talking about her, the product. Because, well, were they talking about the human? Yes. I mean, she's what they're selling. They're selling this person personality, this music, this everything. It's a it's a whole. But that's like two hundred people's work for that product. She only does a certain part of it. I mean, I just remember at saying like, "What is what is the seat?" And they're like, "No, we're talking about Beyonce." Yeah. I was like, "Holy!" And that that was a moment for me. Mm. I didn't think of things as humans like that at all. Hmm. Not at all. Well, corporate entities that are acquitted, they're, they're, they're valued as if they... Kev, get off me, man. You got these non-human entities that have human rights. Worse but, than cats. But they're acquitted of crimes, per se, because they're not real people. Mm-hmm. I'd say once again, that's a time-tested tradition in our social reality. So it's a matter of time before that's the way it gets sized up. Because, I mean, isn't that what a nation is, mm-hmm. or, or a boundary, or you know, like a national boundary, a state boundary? Like, mm-hmm. it's something. I just read this term, consensual reality. Yeah, <laughs> where once we accept it. It's real until we decide it's not real. Um, or, I don't know, get tired of the, the downside of it or whatever you want, however you want to frame it. You said music world. Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, Ira Dotson let me know. Man, I, f- I sort of remembered that. He I let do me remember. know. Yeah. Well, if I really love you as an artist, you probably have no chance. I'm sorry. Anytime no. you took me to a label meeting where I was like, I know the label, this label, I, I, I have their stuff on my, mm-hmm. you know, my dresser. It would be in New York. It would be in Houston. So it was a road trip. Go meet these people. I was like, man, I got a meeting. I'm going to tell the people who value that. 
And then we get there and they let me know. Um, we went to Rockus. We went to Rockus. They That's let right. me know. Remember what they said? <laughs> no, I sort of do. Okay, Rockus said, you're not excited enough. When most Def was in here auditioning for us, he was all on the tables and you're just kind of sitting there like you're sure of yourself or something. Like you're not really trying to sell mm-hmm. yourself mm. the product. I do remember that. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't take that as offensive. I mean, I took it as they don't get me. <laughs> well, it's that, but it's there. It's a still a numbers game. They're still looking for other things above and beyond the talent for sure. Yeah, they never found it. And when you're in, you know, it's a whole different thing living in New York and being around these people all the time than just yes. coming into their office. And it's also, when I lived in New York, I had a few um, job interviews. Mm. And that's part of the record company way of acting. Mm-hmm. Like they don't care. They're so aloof and they don't care. Whatever. Impress me now. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, I went into Craig Common. Craig Common. Um, for when it was Big Beat and I was... I was supposedly the second, I was, I didn't get the, DJ Scribble got the radio promotion job. I did not get the radio promotion job. I lost to a young black teenager. Mm. And, uh. Oh, DJ Scribble's from Young Black Teenagers? He was a DJ, one Ah. of the two DJs in Young Black Teenagers, yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Another amazing hip hop memory. And, uh, but when I went in that interview, I walked out like, there's no possible way they're going to call me again. That dude didn't barely look to me. He was like staring straight forward, like, tell me what you would do in this situation. I'm like, well, I would da 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 Okay. You know, and I was like, wow, that went terrible. <clears throat> I got the call back, and one of my guys on the inside was like, yeah, man, you're one of the one of the two. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm, like, what if my, I'm glad I didn't. What if I did get a job at some label and became that dude? See? But. You just read my mind. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what else? What would have happened after that? But that yeah. being said, um. I was like, DJ Scribble? But then I was like, there's no way I'm not, you know, he's, of course they're going to hire him, which was fine. Mm-hmm. And for the best. And he really made himself, he, you know, transformed himself into an industry force after that. So, yep, yep. And I realized, though, living in New York in 94, I tell people all the time, I went to New York with these aspirations of being what Diddy became. I thought I was going to be mm. the man in music. I was going to do this. And I got around a lot of these people and I was like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be back in Texas. I'm going <laughs> back. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, I yeah. love New York, but you know, it was like too much. Yeah. I, uh, I look at it like, at least as an artist, I dodged a bullet. Cause I wasn't about that life. I mean, it's true. (laughs) Hey, there's a lot of things, you know, you got to really be honest and figure it out. Yeah. I mean, think about, look at Bun B's Instagram. Uh huh. He's having a great time. He's living it up. His rodeo performance is incredible. He's got, he's aligned in all the right places. But to be honest, I want a day or two off. (laughs) He's about that life. He's about that life for real. No. So we see that, you know, it's like, he signed on for life and, for and life. he's benefited and benefited all of us a lot too. Like he's given us so much, but uh, mm-hmm. I think about just myself sometimes and standing in this industry and I'm kind of like, yeah, everything pretty much went the way it was supposed to. Yep. You know, it's like those movies, man, where you're dope and you're acknowledged for being dope and you make your living off dopeness. And whether it's Walter White, Tony Soprano, 
um, my man on the wire. Mm. Um, you end up in this position, uh, Franklin Saint on Snowfall, mm-hmm. which I watched tonight. You always have this itch and desire to maybe be a regular guy, but you'll never be able to figure that out because you're not a regular guy anymore. Mm. It's too late. Um, yeah. And Bumby's about that life. Yeah, it's amazing. But I'm like, what does he do if he ever wants to get off of that trail? Man, I think he's he's in it. Yeah, he's I'll ask it. him. Yeah. That's I mean, the first person I called when I got a teaching job, though. Really? Yeah, first day of school, I called him up. Man. He answered, too. That's 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 what makes one of the things that makes him great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he cares. And, man, I wish you and <laughs> all of us, all my friends, I wish we would have all been sitting in the, in the section at the rodeo. Yeah. Because yeah. I had seven, there were 70,000 people in there. And actually, I ran into some old friends, but I know a lot of our people were there, but we were all in different sections. And it was just like, I, um, I'm, you know, that I've always been kind of against the term putting on for the city or I do uh, it for the city. Yeah. Yeah. This is for the city. Everything. Man, that shit was for the city. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was Houston. Uh, you know, Houston always said Houston proud. Yeah. That was a saying. It was a, a better saying. version of the Super Bowl. And by better version, I mean long performance, mm-hmm. less political correctness. They didn't have the constraints. I mean, I know it was mostly, you know, clean, like no dirty words per mm-hmm. se. But other than that, they were performing those songs in, yeah. their, in their entirety. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I saw, I saw it online. It was beautiful. Man, it was um, it was a real moment to see, like, to think about when you couldn't get a page in the Houston Press. Mm. You know, but somebody who played at uh, Rudyard's <laughs> or some bar mm-hmm. had a feature or something, and then it was like, no, this is what's going down around here, man. And excuse me. Mm. Might be having, having one of them afternoon beers since it is South by Southwest. We're belching. You know, I live that belch life. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I think about, I think about all these things all the time. Like all these, like when <clears throat> you couldn't get nothing. You know, Texas. We t- I talked about it with Sally a little bit too. What I what kind of brought me into the scene and what made me want to be a part of it was how cool and dynamic uh the independence was you know y'all his cat won't leave me alone man so when we did the thing with sali (laughs) i'm not kidding either we were trying to figure out what was going on and i'm pretty sure there was a fruit fly got into the mic so i cut out some of the parts of it but you hear little parts where you're yeah and it obviously it had to been like a little fruit fly in the mic there's always something (laughs) My right. wife's like, you don't like cats. I said, I haven't even tried yet. I don't even know if I like cats. You don't. There's no I've reason never to. been in a relationship with a cat. Yeah, this I've one, never chilled with a cat. I'm almost 50 years old. This one's vicious. Oh, he ain't vicious. She ain't vicious. But, She's uh, vicious. She all up in my grill. Yeah. Do I look like a mouse to you? <laughs> Put your paws on me. Everything's a mouse to her. But yeah, Houston, 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 right? But. That's the thing, but so I guess what I was trying to say was that, like Texas as a whole to me was always really interesting as it's its own world, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. when it really was existing in its own world, when it was straight up 
from the trunk to the mom and pop to the club to that was it. No press, no attention. Mm-hmm. But the human beings loved it. Yeah. It was crazy. And so we look at like, and this is, I mean, it's nothing new. Run the Jewels has been probably around 10 years now. Mm-hmm. But before that, that, that was almost not even a concept. Like to even mm-hmm. think that somebody like LP and someone from the South could do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the South, we were so separate from so much. Yeah. So. I do have one Houston rodeo question, though. What's that? Where was Trey the truth? I honestly don't know. That's that's my main question, too. Pause. Where was Trey the truth? Where was Trey the truth? Where was he? I mean, that's, of course, I think one of everybody's questions, like, where was Trey, but... Yep. I mean, I have to chalk that up to how long we've been asking that question. <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot going on. I know it. He does his own know, thing. He's in his world. Yeah, but you know, when he's doing his uh, relief, some of those folks on stage are there. But when they did that H Town, uh, what's it called? H Town All Stars. H uh, Town Takeover. There I you go. Yeah. Where was Trey the Truth? I mean, I learned to not question a lot of things in Houston and, and in rap in general, man. It's just That's is good. what it is. Like Mind your business. I like it. Whatever they're doing is fine with me. Make it good. Mm-hmm. You know, and Trey, there's no shortage of Trey making things good. And I've known him since he was like 19 years old. Mm. He's one of the realest like activists I've ever known in our community. That's what I see. For real. Like he puts his money where his mouth is. He does what he does. That's what I see. He, he gets in. Oh, she's screaming. It's just part of, part of the fabric of Houston right now. He can do anything he wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah, I hear it. Oh, don't ever get a cat. The cat lovers are going to ban our podcast. Yeah, but I mean, Timbaland makes music with little goats and stuff in it. Too. Yep. So we got we got the we got the uh, the cat tracks. Yeah, I hear. We had, we had the fruit fly last time. Now we have the cat. What did we have with Money Waters? I don't remember. <laughs> Roxor. Yeah, Roxor. We talked about you in that podcast because uh, mm-hmm. I met Money Waters through you. That's my boy. You first brought him to uh, my line of sight. You brought Rabbit Rick to me. Sure did. That was, wow. I didn't know Rabbit Rick, and you were telling me about him, and that I came like up 18 to, years ago. Easily. I came up to Austin, and I remember he brought me over some CDs. Yeah, AP2. Yeah. Exactly. I remember that. It was at Aussies. Aussies was the 2004 South by Southwest that you performed at. Correct. That's where I introduced you to Rick. That's when it was? Okay. Yeah. God, it feels like it was longer There now. was sand <laughs> beneath our feet. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah, South by Southwest 2004, you, Bobby Blakes, performed with Paul Wall and Chameleon Air separately. Yeah. Playing skills, Bun B and Middle Fingers, Diddy Rascal, yep. Silk Smooth. Wow. Yeah. MC Fatal? MC Fatal, and he yep. brought out Basswood Lane. Yeah. Yeah. And that was when, you know, Aussie still exists. It does. It's Ooh, there. Wait, let me be, let me, oh, John Caramonica let me know. He let, <sighs> he let me know. <laughs> he told me. We t- <laughs> he did not. Now, basically, 
See, but that's that can relate to exactly what we were just talking about with Run the Jewels. Back then, it was like it couldn't be. You can't have Bobby Blake's and Bun B on the same thing. It's just not the same, or it's he not let, this. He let me know. But do you know what I said, too? He's my friend. I love him. I'm not trying to disrespect the dude. He's really, you know, he's running the New York Times mm-hmm. entertainment, you know. But uh, Right. Nah, we had dinner a couple years ago. I love the guy. But I said to his face, I said, you were wrong. Well, I mean, hey. I said that was wrong. Not to, I didn't say you were wrong for that. Mm-hmm. I said what you said was wrong. What you wrote was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I had never heard that before. Of uh, you know, it's like a you doing like a tribe called quest impersonation. I love tribe called quest, but I didn't feel like that's what we were doing. Um, it wasn't even similar to tribe called quest, and I'm ta- sorry, but but I love tribe called quest, so it's like maybe he smelled it on me. But what's crazy is now, you know, he's this big official, like, voice in our social reality who talks about, you know, anytime I see New York Times and it's talking about some prominent black music, I see his name on it. And I chuckle, like, he let me know. Hmm. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's that's another conversation I have with him, though, because, like, I was talking about business and, and life and how we are, like, I was like, you know, no matter what, however educated I might have become or anything, like, there's no way I could do his job because, yeah. like, he was telling me, he's like, if Beyonce drops a record at three in the morning, I have to be up and be on it immediately. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. Solange let him know. How, what did she do? Wasn't he the one when she was talking about um, how much she loved Brandy? And a lot of her audience didn't really understand the importance of Brandy, so they read it wrong. Don't get me to messing up these stories, but okay. I listen to people when they tell their stories, and we'll have to Google it later. But I heard her tell a really detailed story about how she had to let him know. Hmm. She, you know, she lets people. She let Jay Z know. Yeah. She lets people know, but she let him know, and I was like, "Yeah, that's right. Let him know." Yeah. Because he let me know. Yeah, I know. I remember <laughs> in that article. <laughs> but he was writing for a uh, uh, was that Vice? I think it was Vice. Yeah. That was Vice. Now look at Vice. Damn. And look at him. Now it's like New York Times and Vice's. But back then, that was like little stuff. Yeah. Crazy. If anyone thinks we're torturing a cat, we're not. I just put it in the bedroom, okay? Okay. Uh, No, I remember that. But he also said that um, middle fingers were barely rapping into their mics. Something like that. Or their mics were so rough, muffled, they didn't know what they were doing. And then we got the recording... No, Bun came to my house and was like, he called someone in Middle Finger. was like, man, I told y'all y'all need to hold your mics better for real because you see this article in Vice. He says, you know, y'all have these muffled mics and all this. And I was like, well, but we had it recorded. And I put Mm -hmm. the CD in. Somebody, whoever recorded that for us, they gave it to me on CDs. And I played it for him. He's like, man, they sound good. What the fuck? But so he, it is but what he it let is. Him know. But yeah, he did. But that's the thing. And I've been in this my whole life. Music journalism, any kind of journalism, you know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's it's you're you're putting your heart on a piece of paper, and it is what it is. Man, you know, and then you have to take it like that because I'm the person who, as a youth, mm-hmm. I was writing letters to the local paper like you got this wrong, mm-hmm. you know, or I was writing into these things like yeah. this is totally wrong. You're ridiculous. I can't believe you didn't do your research on this. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> like. I do that all the time. But now I'm like, whatever, guys. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I Make your have. blog, whatever it is. Tweet yeah. it. I wouldn't have had a plan for college or a scholarship or any of that 
it wasn't for that, you know, practice of journalism. So exactly, I get it. I'm grateful for it. Yeah, it's a fine art. Well, it's a lost art. Yeah, it's um. You got a lot of reporters now, and a lot of people on the news, and a lot of. But there's not, you know, there's a really small amount of journalists compared to us growing up. I mean, I've always read the local newspapers anywhere I went. Like if I land in a, uh, in an airplane somewhere before all the internet stuff, mm. I'm picking up the newspaper. I want to see what's going on locally. I always wanted to do that. And I always like in Erie, Pennsylvania, my hometown, like it's a small city newspaper that I grew up with. So it was always something now just like the Austin American Statesman, it's owned by USA Today. It's almost the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the local edge, the local feeling. I mean, a lot of that, you know, there's benefits to social media, like yep. to get people to show up to a protest. That's about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, there's so much that's so whack when you put it. When, and, you know, I, I came from KPFT, which is on the Pacific Network, and part of our, uh, excuse me, our... Um, You'd always say, don't complain about the media, be the media. Mm-hmm. Take it into your own hands. You can do that now. Yeah, we really got what we wished for. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I can't read an article about music much anymore. It's hard. It's hard. It's real hard to sit down and read somebody's, like, especially, I, but you know what I never really liked? I never liked record reviews. I didn't like reviews, but I loved Features. Me too. Good articles, like a real Source, good feature. Double XL, Rolling Stone. I would always read the longest stories they could offer me, mm-hmm. and pay money for that stuff just to read it. You know, monthly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a big deal. And now it's like I actually have moments where I'll have some time to think. Oh, I'd like to maybe let me just catch up on some things on the internet. Maybe read some things, and I don't even know where to look anymore. For real. I don't either. Mm-mm. That's crazy. Now, who's going to keep listening to this podcast, man? I am boring you to death. No, not at all. That's what it is. That's what people do now. They just interview each other, and then people listen to it. That's okay. the best. Okay. And in the well, car. Thank y'all for tuning in. I mean, we could take a <laughs> musical break. <laughs> nah, we shouldn't take a musical break. You don't want to take a musical break? You want to? I don't mind. I mean, maybe people want to hear something. I, let's play... We're talking about Houston. We talk about Money Water. We're talking about you. We'll play the play the role remix. There you go. Which is funny because I made a Money Waters playlist on Spotify to accompany the podcast. You're going to get the same, and uh, it's not listed as the. Re- it's on a random mixtape called the Texas Massacre yeah, on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. But it's on there, but doesn't list Money Waters or Paul Wall. So I had to listen to the ones that were on Spotify to figure. And I was like, oh, there it is. They There's spelled the roll wrong. I don't know why we don't put it on there. Like, Natural High released the song, but we just don't have it on there. But, hey, this is the peak of my recording career in many senses. It's the Play the Role remix, 2004. Yeah. Same year as the Aussies show. Wow. Yep, same year. Also Um, Hydroponic Sound System. Hydroponic Sound System produced two versions of this, Mm -hmm. including this one right here, where Paul Wall met us in Dallas and one-taked his verse, no writing, no paper, just showed up, tadal, and bounced because he was really busy getting this album ready called The Chick Magnet. Man. But we were all in the room together. Skin, my man, who's 
battling the cancer right now. Mm. Um, Ruben Ayala, who's still in the Dallas area, um, and Money Waters, and then my own from Strange Fruit Project. Those mm. were all folks I was working with like crazy at that time. And this was the remix to play the role. People were listening to play the role more than anything that I think I ever released. It was like play the role. It was on the radio. I think the first song in commercial radio rotation in the city of Austin, which sounds terrible depending on how you hear it. But I thought it was cool. <laughs> and uh, oh, you caught that. And yeah, um, well, Hot ninety three point three back in those days was fun. It was man, and 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 I got into the rotation. There's a funny story on that because. Mm -hmm. They needed access to the Snoop Show. That's how it happened. Ask me later. But that's how that happened. That's why I got the rotation, because access for them. <laughs> it's a crazy story, but it's all facts. Anyway, this is the statewide remix of Play the Role, R-O-L-E. You're listening to Talk So Real with Matt Sazala. We'll be right back. You fake, you phony, you falsifying But there's a little of it in all of us You fake, you phony, you falsifying Now play the role role, 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 role. You fake, you phony, you falsifying These boys faking the funk, it's like they auditioning But they acting skills need conditioning Corporate America is in their ear whispering And unfortunately they keep listening They playing a role right in their own script Trying too hard to be cool, but that ain't hip Now you can do what you wanna do Be who you wanna be but make sure you be you, don't be a wannabe. Quit falsifying and lying to these girls. You live in fraud in your own little fantasy world. See, I am what I am, and it is what it is. You'll feel how I feel if you've been where I've been. But don't relive my life to let yourself know. Don't walk in my footsteps, create your own. You ain't being real, but you need to start. Cause just cause you play the role, don't mean you get the part. Paul to the wall, 713. No Mike Jones, I don't know him, I can't lie, so I ain't even try. But I got my own. Two, five, four. And Money Waters. Two, one, four. Got it? Alright, let's go. I love the bus flows and create from the heart. But I hustle hard, cause anything less ain't smart. I ain't a rap star, but if I'm about to be, it's cause my folks looked out for me. And it's because I played a role. Play the role, play the role. That don't mean you get the part, get the part. Get the part just because you play the role. Play the role, play the role. That don't mean you get the part. Get the part, get the part. Just because you play the role. Play the role, play the role. Don't mean you get the part. Get the part, get the part. Just because you play the role. Play the role, play the role. That don't mean you get the part. Get the part, get the part. And this wasn't a choice of mine. It got us going to war. And every day of my life has been feeling like martial law. Persecuted, electoral ballots getting refuted. And they wonder why children resort to alcohol abusing. Knowing some people want me dead because of my skin. And I'm supposed to turn my cheek, just lay in the cut and grin. No, I gotta win. Losing ain't part of the plot. In third worlds, I'll be the first to face a tank with a rock. Hey, George W., I really don't mean to trouble you. But we got troubles inside of this bubble that we running through. So what you gonna do about homeland security when the local authorities closer to killing me? I still wonder what it's like to be free. My 40 acres in the mule was one of them broken promises, too. Trying to make it off the soil they originally stole by an invalid who's playing that role. Now, come on. Now, stop. You enroll. That don't mean you get the part, y'all. Pardon this. Silly. Silly. You 
say you got a new plush caddy. You told me you tight with P. Diddy. Yeah, you say you call him Puff Daddy. Don't get at me with that game popping, ain't talking nothing but lies. Going on with that name dropping, sucking dime. I'm with my boy Bavu. They let me guess you tight with him too. Hell, I've been through struggles just like any other Texas boy. Seeking currency because I'm currently unemployed. And the urgency because my kids need some toys. But the shit you concerning me ain't nothing but noise. I ain't tripping out the fact that you from a small town, but you quit the yellow Atlanta when them brows come around. <laughs> you don't know how silly you sound. Somebody tell them what Millie Vanilla's doing now. Now you can't get the ball just because you don't play roles. Get the part, get the part, just because you played a role. Now stop. Music break. All right, so tell me then the story. Hot 93 needed access to a Snoop concert. Oh, man. Oh, you don't have to. That's almost the whole story. Yeah. <clears throat> a couple of people who work on air at the station, like Deuce, Corrupt, were really behind played a role. So that was on the mix shows. That was just me. Mm-hmm. Then the remix came in, and it's Paul Wall who starts it off. And it's kind of like his song with uh, Toby in terms of he's rapping in an unexpected way. Mm-hmm. He's kind of using big words, and he's not really talking about, you know, his ice and whatnot, which he's a legend for. He kind of switches it up and gets a little, like, philosophical, psychological, political-ish. And I think that attracted a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So whoever the program director was ignored their request to try to put this in rotation, let it be on the mix shows. But then this Snoop show was coming around. and There's two artists where I was able to open for them like six times in different cities. Snoop is one and The Roots is the other. Mm -hmm. Um, And they didn't have access because the other station did. And I honestly can't remember what the other station was, but I know 2DQ was on it. And somehow, oh, and it was like, if I would do an interview with them at the Snoop show, then they would put the song in rotation. Mm. And I don't want to rewrite history and say I understood all those things at the same time, but that was the setup. And because they had an interview with me, they had access to the show because I was on the show. Uh-huh. And that's why they put it in. And But they put it in rotation for, I don't know, a month or two? You know, it was forever in my world. Oh, man. People, mm. I still meet people who are like, play the role, get the part. You know what I'm saying? It'll be like somebody working at my kid's school mm-hmm. that I've never met. Play the role, get the part. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. That's so dope. You know, um. But yeah, that, that was that was the politics. You explained all of that though in so many words earlier by saying that, you know, the game is it's tricky. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, oh, you make music, I like it. Let's listen to this music and enjoy it and party around tunes like one big happy family, especially now that ninety thousand songs have come out since we started this conversation. Um but yeah, that that was that was you get on I got some reliable daytime rotation spins on the radio in exchange for being a point of access for a radio station to be somewhere where they could advertise themselves. Mm. It's crazy. 
Man, and well, that, whatever. Speaking of Trey the Truth, where why where was Trey the Truth? Man, well that on the radio. I hope that didn't have something to do with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Keep hope like, alive. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's twelve years ago. Keep hope alive. Yeah, no. Hot ninety three <laughs> was the end of commercial radio, though the end end because that and Austin might even have been a little late with that. Like big ups KAZI, which has been really good lately, by the way. For real, in my I would be I'd be listening to DJ Slice right now, maybe if we weren't doing this in my neighborhood. What is it? That's my favorite part. No. <laughs> that'll go on for like two three hours what is it nobody knows what it is um I, th- I think it's hilarious so i have actually sat in my car for way too long at in a parking lot waiting to see if anyone figures it out because i never do mm-hmm. kzi the the uh, black community station of austin for many many years and it's just such a strong force and thank god for it so when i'm talking about radio being you know dying i don't mean the community and non-commercial radio which austin has quite a bit of good stations for yep. Just an alternative, but, and a lot of cities don't, but man, that era of Hot 93 was really the last time I saw any kind of a local, any kind of like, you know, it's still a community feeling in the station, you know, the DJs were all human beings that were open to things and wanted to genuinely see things change in Austin. They went through many years of like... (sighs) I know there were other stations that had moments and stuff, but like there was a lot of BS when, I mean, for lack of a better term, urban radio, whatever you want to call it. There was, first of all, there was not always outside of KZI, there was not always an quote unquote urban station in Austin. There were many periods where there wasn't one. There wasn't one till 04, right? 03? I think that, well, if South by was March of 04, then High 93 was definitely around. Before 04. Yeah, but not but for long. No, it wasn't around for, very, for long enough, for sure. But that was the last time I really saw a station that had some sort of communal feeling to it. Yeah. That's on a commercial radio level. Got you, 93. On a commercial radio it level. It did, man, because we were standing up there and Chameleon and his crew over there. Yep. Paul Wall and his crew over there. And they had to come dap up the locals in separate factions. I remember that. Man, uh, Dizzy Rascal. Dizzy. He Rascal. was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The commercial radio station wouldn't put Dizzy Rascal on the air in, in Texas at the moment. I mean, yeah. Unless Bun B walked him in. Some really good people there, too, like true representatives. Of, Baby G. Yeah, Deuce. Deuce, you you know, you said corrupt. I mean, yeah. Boogie, Rabbit Rick. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Mimi. Eventually, Rick, Mimi, Chicken George. Chicken George. Oh, man. That's right. Yeah. Dang, I, I actually forgot Chicken George was on Hot 93. That's real. Yeah. Wow. Dealing with that thing. Yeah, cancer. Mm. F cancer, we all mm. say. And uh, we will be announcing very soon. Uh, and we got to talk about this. We don't have to talk about it on the air. But uh, had a man of Joe this morning. We're going to announce something special for Chicken George. Again and again. Yep. We got to. CG. I mean, he's another example. Just did his thing for his life. He's got his thing. He's done it. Mm-hmm. He's successful. Yeah, yeah. That's that's you know. I, I it's funny because first skin had cancer, has cancer. Then Chicken George gets skin cancer. But when I put those two names together, right? I talked about that dream of being on the records. Mm-hmm. Released twenty one, twenty two vinyl records. Mm-hmm. T 
10 or 12 of those are related to one of those two people, Chicken George. Right. Skin. Exactly. So it's like, man, talking about growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Chicken George, I remember I, I went to high school with his twin. I was in some of his twins' movies as a, oh, wow. as a radio television film student at UT. I was broadcast. His, brother, his twin was RTF. And one day I'm at Waterloo Records, which I believe is turning 40. Probably. I'm pretty sure. That's the only reason I would ever hear from Raul Hernandez in life. Huh. I think it's the first time I've ever heard from Raul Hernandez. Wow. But um, anyway, because uh, he let me know mm-hmm. back, in, back in the day. But um, I'm in Waterloo looking for something. And then dude turns around, daps me up. I'm like, what's up, Jerry? No, I'm Jeff. I'm like, <laughs> what's up, Jerry? No, nah, Jeff. I'm like, who is Jeff? <laughs> I'm, I'm Jerry. I'm Jerry's identical twin, man. This happens all the time. Wow. And that's how I met Chicken George, you know? Did you know there's a rapper named Who is Jeffrey? Yes. <laughs> and the Bosnian has done beats for him? That's the only reason I know. Yep. Yep. A- ATX, baby. The Boz. I saw the Boz at Rabbit Rick's video shoot yesterday. How was that? Amazing. Cool. It felt like South by Southwest in the 80s and 90s of backyard barbecue and beers. Yeah. Who was there? Uh, of course, oh, Carlos. Carlos, Carlos yeah. Hernandez, of course. CH Customs, uh, certified. Man, uh, DJ Abonics came. Wow. Some of the Cracker Nuts came. To, um, cracker Nuts. I brought Scratch Bastard down there. Buck Rogers came down. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mom was in the kitchen. Rick's mom. Yeah. Wow. That was, that was amazing. Eating. I love her. Always have loved her food. Wow. Uh, man, I hate leaving people out. What time did that start? Mm, it was just midday. That's why I wasn't there. Because me yeah. and Rick, man, mm-hmm. as much music as we've made, as tight as we've been for 20-something years, 20 years, minus like seven when we just stopped talking completely. But, man, we still meet up at the Waffle House to this day. Mm-hmm. And to see him and Carlos, you know, because when we did What It Do Family and, you know, the What It Do mixtapes, all those things, um, I don't mean we did all those things. I mean, I was involved in What It Do Family and obviously Rick what to do uh, mixtapes and music brand. And then Carlos originally with the t-shirts and whatnot and all the like, mm-hmm. all the breakdowns in communication when you have big groups of people moving in the same direction, but haven't really set expectations and parameters. And then you start getting a taste of how great you all add up to. And so then you kind of split up, start fighting and arguing and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so cool to see, where it comes around and you have an opportunity as grown folks to get on the right page and keep on right where you left off. And that's really the point I was making. Like I remember when, you know, I sat down ironically at Waffle House with Rick one day, first time in like seven years we'd ever even talked. And we were both just trying to be teachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we ended up teaching the same. He ended up teaching directly above me like less than five years ago. But I remember where the what it do thing, you know, there's these discrepancies between sense and grip and Rick and Carlos and, but I did this, but you did this, but did it. And everybody's moving and doing amazing things. So they don't really have time to slow down and really figure it out. So it kind of just becomes gossip and kind of toxic mess. Same thing for what to do family. However, it's beautiful now when things come around and people actually stay alive long enough to make amends and just reset and still continue doing it the way they love. And in this case, they have to look out for younger people to make it 
as relevant as they would like. So I'm assuming the, the guy rhyming is like some young dude on the come up, right? Uh, the video for yesterday is a song with Rich Greedy. Who, Rich yeah, Greedy. Yeah, and uh, and Certified. Yep. There you go. There you go. So those are cats that weren't around the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful to see that continuation. And I think that, well, I know that they are going to find a way to pay it forward and open some doors and launch some superstars out of this powerful Mexican-American community, you know, that I only know the tip of the iceberg about, but I know that Rick and Carlos together are going to represent something crazy and something, it's going to bear some fruit, man. Man, yeah, I was, I've listened to a few of the songs. It's all good. It's mm-hmm. real good. Mm-hmm. And you just never know in Texas, like, we got this screw book here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who knew? Who knew that that was going to be what it is now? I mean, you can agree or disagree with this because everybody has their own feelings on things. But in my feelings are, we've lost a lot of people in in our culture and our friends, but in, in bigger and smaller and this and that. But I don't think there's a bigger tragedy than everything screw missed. There's bigger tra- There's bigger p- pictures and things like that. But when you think about what's the screw, the slow down music became in the 22 years since his death or 21 and a half or whatever now since his death mm-hmm. and he's dead. He missed all that. Yeah. But you know, if you have a black artist who's significant in a major U S city and then they die, doesn't that always happen? It becomes I mean, this huge commodity after the fact, like Mac Dre or, yeah, you know, or, that's true. uh, who else? Tupac. I mean, we still talk about Big and Pac all the time. Pop smoke. You can't, you know, we can't say, you know, one death is more important than the other or something like that. But mm. when I talk about, like, the word, maybe tragedy is not the right word, but to think about, like, man, if he would have lived and been, you know, you know, cleaned up a bit or whatever, like, I could have taken DJ Screw to every country on the planet. For real. Like, he could have DJed in every place. For real. He would be one of those dudes. For real. You know, like, and that's just a small part of what could have been. For real. Can I say something ignorant as a non-screwhead? Yeah. I'm not a big screwhead. I, I love him and respect him for what it is. I don't champ screw all day. I mean, at this point, his style is almost like required mm-hmm. in every major album. It has that wannabe screw moment. Commercials. Right. Everything. Right. Right. I mean, remember Love of My Life video where all of a sudden it slows down and Lil Flip walks by mm. in the middle of an Erica Badu and Common video? Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. But all the way up to albums that come out now, there's always like that one little slow down section. And it's like, nobody was doing that. And now it's just like absorbed in the game. Um, but no, here's my ignorant comment. So when I ask somebody who really knows about Screw, like Tosin, yep. you know, different friends of mine. They say, well, Screw went national on Swinging and Banging. But I'm like, let me say something as an ignorant person. The sound of Screw from H-Town went national that same year at a greater capacity. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but knocking the boots. Right. Ain't nothing but all right by a zap, slow down mm-hmm. with some people singing over it. 
So therefore, the sound of screw went national off of that. Now, keep in mind, I don't know anything. Like 70% of the earth is covered nah, that's with water. A great, that's 98% great. of you know, water is unexplored. So no humans know much. But from an ignorant perspective, I just can't imagine a group called H-Town not being aware of Screw's sound and making a song like that. Was it 95? It was 94. Isn't that when Swing and Banger came out? Yeah, 94. I think I could be wrong. I feel like Swing and Banger was... Now you know I remember. You know Felicia Johnson was the first person who was telling me about ESG, honestly. Mm-hmm. Which that would have been probably ninety four. But I feel like he got. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. They're I feel like it's ninety five, but it could be ninety four. It was ninety four, and they're also saying national. Okay. Which is super relative when you're talking about swinging and banging. Mm-hmm. No, back then, no. Come on. In no way am I trying to minimize the importance of ESG and swinging no. and banging in his album, Ocean of Funk. Yeah. But I am saying that knocking the boots blanketed black America. Oh, no, big time. No. Probably number one hit on R&B chart. I don't know. But it was like that. Right. Obviously, because they were where? At the rodeo. At the rodeo. There you are. Hmm. And they were probably in L.A. (laughs) back then. Yeah. Or something like that. No, they were with Luke, remember? Okay, right, 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 right. (laughs) They were signed to Luke. Well, Luke had the money to fly them to L.A. when yeah. need be. Luke gave us H-Town. Yeah. And 2AWK. Well, he didn't give us that, but he tried. He tried. <laughs> mm. Shout out to Baby G. Yep. Cole Chris. All of them, man. Dallas, Texas. Yep. I had the best time in Dallas recently because, you know, I've been under a rock. I haven't been going out to a lot of things. Everybody's had their last couple of years dealing with, you know, coming back into the world and things and. Mm-hmm. When Money Waters called me about that video shoot, uh, first of all, he had put out the song Wawa with DJ Snake. Yep. And it's great. And I was like, okay, that you know, if there's one person who hasn't, uh, I mean, people people who know, know, but he does, he does not get the credit he deserves. DJ Snake created a lot. I grew but, up on that. Yeah, exactly. But then, like, he told me who I was going to be at the video shoot, and it was the coolest thing. It was all the people you want to see. For, I mean, Cottonmouth, Picasso. Mr. Lucci, Mr. Pookie, Rifleman, Blowfly, Bobo Luciano, Limp Leg, the DOC. Yeah, it was a real special group. I mean, that was like an invigorating night for me to just kind of re, you know, tap in with some of my real folks out there. Yeah, I mean, if you had Doc and Snake by yourself, if you just had the DOC and DJ Snake, Mm -hmm. as somebody who grew up in Garland, Texas, and listened to the Tom Joyner Morning Show, every morning... Tom Joyner played I Hate to Go to Work. Exactly. To talk about the traffic. <laughs> and we all knew that it was a local artist from the Feel of Fresh crew. Well, it was the Feel of Fresh crew. That's true. And the reason we knew is because we listened to Dr. Rock's mix show on the weekends. And then we listened to, on Wednesday night, a radio show called All Hearty Deaf Party, which yep. literally was Nemesis. So, yeah, we know Nemesis for last night. We know Nemesis for Munchies for Your Bass. I love the song Pusher Man. I can't find it on the internet. Mm. But that's not why we really, people from Dallas-Fort Worth, it's like, yes, Nemesis made hits on Profile Records. Yes. Ron C. also made hits on Profile mm-hmm. Records, produced by DJ Snake. Yes. 
But what people sometimes leave out is the fact that Nemesis taught us national hip hop through a weekly radio show. I was in middle school. Yep. And I would study their radio show every Wednesday night. And it's all we would talk about at school the next day. We were learning about every, I mean, from uh, Grandmaster Spade to Heavy D to Ron C to K. Cole singing Yellow Hammer. Mm-hmm. Money Waters, I keep hearing you talk about Nemesis making Yellow Hammer. Make it make sense, my friend. <laughs> when did Nemesis make Yellow Hammer? <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. and so Money Waters is probably the only person who could bring all those people together. All right. But I think the reason that people don't necessarily, I don't know, people sleep on Money Waters because he's speaking languages of music and words that everybody can't necessarily hear or understand. He's truly on a magical level. And the way I know for a fact is because my dad told me. Oh, really? My dad is not a hip hop head. Yep. But my dad knows black music, black history, black literature, black arts. And I ain't talking about for the last two, three hundred, four hundred years. My dad hand researched our family history in depth and still is doing it to this day. Like he made history for our family by going through all these public records of land and uh, war and death and birth and pieced it together. But he heard Money Waters, you know, we were doing a lot of shows together and he was like, he knows we, he know what he got, right? Man. And I was like, yeah, I, I, yeah, he knows. He said, yeah, but you know, you know, a lot of these people, they enjoying it, but they don't really know what he's doing. That's my dad. Hmm. And I was like, okay, I thought it was just me. Yeah, Money Waters is the bridge between a lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah. On the low. And for some people, it's hard to digest. So I've had to accept that over time. Like when the music is, his music's not overly complicated, but it's more, it's deeper than, than average for sure. And it is. There's people who it just doesn't resonate with. They they can't understand it. He doesn't explain himself. Right. Well. And I'm okay with that. I don't know. <clears throat> I think there's even, especially nowadays, there's even tones and sounds and things in this music that they've mastered figured out <laughs> how to get into these young brains. Yeah. Yeah. And it ain't the funk. It didn't come from the funk. It's coming from these little lighted buttons and things. Oh, I don't know. The music? Musically, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, 50% of it is the DNA of Lil Wayne when he was on a lot of drugs doing mixtapes mm-hmm. and just kind of having fun. It seems like that's half the DNA of what you're describing. And the other half is Kanye? Uh, kind of. What are we crediting Kanye for exactly? I feel like the, look, we all know, I mean, Drake and Kid Cudi and the whole, that kind of era had this sort of softness to it that. Kid Cudi. And to be honest, I, and talking to people, and, no, and Drake doesn't sound like Kanye. They, they're, he sounds know, like there's Wayne. There's a million Drakes. Wayne. <clears throat> yeah. Drake's first, what, five years, him and Wayne sounded almost That's identical. True, you know, actually, I did forget about that. Yeah. 
But you know, I didn't sit around listening to him. And then gotcha. with Lil Wayne, I have the first Hot Boys tape. I love Lil Wayne, but I yeah. for sure in that era did not listen to every single mixtape. It wasn't even for me. It wasn't even possible because yeah. I, I was getting music from everybody. Yeah, when Lil like, Wayne was just going crazy, mm-hmm. I just I still hear that now. So I see your point about Kanye, but I think when you say Kid Cudi, it's probably a little closer to right. But I hear people when I talk to people of a certain age and how much influence Kanye had on them, it trips me out because Kanye had. I mean, I understand who he is and how big he is. He had zero influence whatsoever on me. I'm of a certain age. I'm older. I'm probably older than Kanye. Yeah, but there's there's different Kanyes too. Let's be honest. Right. But Kid Cudi. So I just saw him telling LeBron. Was LeBron there? It was the shop. So he was telling, uh, you know, the Maverick Carter. He was telling uh, whoever was on the show with him, Tom Brady, whoever was. But he was talking about how he'd always wanted to wear a dress because of Cobain. Mm. And um, all of that was pretty interesting. But um, where was I going with this? Kid Cudi. Oh, so you one time put me and Rick on a show at A-Track. In Houston. Yeah. Yep. And yep. and then, like, the next year, I was working at the television station here in Austin. Mm-hmm. So we had some Suburbans at the time. Hybrid Suburban. M-E-T-V. Yep. Emmy television. So I ran into A-Track at a party or something. Mm-hmm. A day party. And him and Kid Cudi needed a ride. Kid Cudi was his new artist. Yeah, Fool's Gold. He had that Man on the Moon Day and tape. night. Day yep. and night was on this mixtape. Yep. I never see that included in the story. It's like Kanye just signed this dude. Not that everybody got to say, well, Kanye got him from A-Track. But I literally gave A-Track and Kid Cudi a ride. Met Kid Cudi. He introduced me. This is my new artist I'm working with. And they gave me the mixtape. And a year later, Mm -hmm. Day and Night was the biggest thing on earth. Yep. Kid Cudi was signed to Kanye like Kanye found him. Well, A-Track was Kanye's DJ as well. Exactly, but it's just, that was never part of the story. It's it's like A-Track's nobody, Fool's Gold is nothing. But Fool's Gold was something. No, Fool's Gold is the incubator before they hatch. Like, Fool's Gold is Uh, the one who tells you what's going to be cool. So that's by design. I don't know if it's totally by design, but from what I've watched them do over the years, I mean, I feel like they're the ones that are going to put out the stuff. Like, there's a lot of people who are just a couple steps ahead. Okay. And... They don't become, I mean, they may be millionaires. I don't know. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't become the zillionaires that's in everybody's face all the time. They, But they're consistently still doing cool things. Well, yeah. I, I think if you're referring to Kanye in terms of 808s and heartbreak and kind of the emo-ness and his bad singing and whatnot, they say most of that is Kid Cudi. I mean, he had writers. Kid Cudi, Ron Fest, Yeah, he people. always got writers. You know, and... He always got writers. Well, he got a lot of writers now, yep. but back in the day, yeah, Consequence, Ron Fest. I wrote Consequence's first bio in 1994. Really? Mm-hmm. I wrote the bio for UTP Records. <laughs> Juvenile, wow, that's Young right. Buck. Young Buck. Yep. Who, right after I gave them the bio, defected. Yep. Ran off with G-Unit. Yep. But it was uh, Juvenile, Young Buck, Skip, and Wacko. That's right. Wrote it myself. Man. And I wrote the hog pin clicks bio that same part of the year. That was the hustle back. The bio hustle was a thing. Bio hustle. 50 to 100 bucks here and there. Yeah. 
Sometimes maybe a little too. more from rap a lot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I did a basswood lane spiral. Mm-hmm. I wrote all the Houston ones for a certain era, like Rapid hundred rate. bucks. Thanks. You want to do some photos too? That's crazy. The uh, the consequence was coming around the 307 Clinton Avenue where I was with DJ Overtime, mm. Scott Thompson, and, and his those people. Sociopath left, Chris, Mr. Creed, may yeah. he rest in peace. We were all up there. And consequence to us was Q-Tip's friend. Cousin, yeah. Cousin or whatever. You know, we knew he was down with Tribe Called Quest in some way. and He was, he was in dope. Tribe Called Quest. Or you met him before that? I mean, I met him in 94. Okay, so you met him before he was in it. Okay. Yeah. Excuse me. So, uh... Yeah, and I ended up writing the bio, and all those songs probably only live on a cassette, on cassettes somewhere. I got to give Kanye credit for knowing to keep consequence around as a writer. That's not something that everybody would have figured out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, were I'm, you on the panel with him and me and at CMJ? Rick was on it. Consequence. It was V. Edelman, me, Rick, Consequence, and Green Lantern, I believe. Nah. That was a CMJ panel. You know, I remember Green Lantern, though. Yeah. Because, uh, what's the name of that? What Ventures is it? <laughs> the company that was working with Scion. <laughs> they, uh, they let me know. They let me know. I don't remember the name of that company. It, was like, it was like three weeks before, uh, before uh, the album with Gold Digger, which I know Consequence wrote for Kanye. Um, about three weeks before that came out. Remember, Scion had the had the uh, the contest mm-hmm. that Green Lantern and a couple other people were judging. Yep. And I was right there, ready to make the finals because you told me to send the song in. And oh. it, was, it was Black Gold, and I was right there about to make the finals. And then they said, "Ah, you said some disparaging things about George Bush. We're gonna have to take you out of this contest." Ah, and I you got mad that. and launched a crazy campaign. <laughs> this is September of '05. <laughs> Katrina happens. Kanye says George Bush don't care about. All that stuff happened in the same three-week period. Yep. Tied it all together. And the Chaotix <laughs> did the song. That was after. They didn't do it at the same time, though. It was after, but they did yeah. the George Bush Don't they Care did. About Black People. But they didn't do it in 05. Hmm. I think they did it. I don't think they released that immediately. Did they? I mean, it got attention. It was on, no. like, like, BET covered it, and people covered it for sure. But well, I don't I'm going to have to look that up. In my mind, it's like they brought it back, but they probably did it at the same time. It wouldn't make sense to wait to do that, would it? I don't know. Shout out to Russ and Damien. And Mike the Madman. And Mike to the Ah, who's a school teacher. That's my boy. Mm-hmm. Mike and I lived on Holly Hall, right by the rodeo, by the vent, by the Astrodome. Man, uh, we do need to talk about the present, though. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, you've got incredible ventures. We're both parents. We've got incredible children we love very much. And somehow, some way, you and your young son wrote a book together. We did. It's on my shelf right there, looking right at me. Ellesmere, beautiful. Thank you. Oh, man, they released George Bush Don't Care About Black People on my birthday, September 6, 2005. Oh, wow, You're exactly right. Okay. I don't know... My head tried to rewrite the history, and those are my boys. So be it. All right, so Ellesmere, I'm yes. with you. Yes, me and my son co-authored a book. Next week, we'll be doing book talks in Dallas one day and Fort Worth the next. Oh, we got a hotel. Nice. My son thinks it's so dope to have a hotel. 
I know it is. It is dope to have going a hotel. on the road, son. Let's go on the road. But yeah, that that book is it's it's the gift that keeps on giving in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Tom, where'd that where'd it come from? I mean, that's something he came up with as you know the story. Mm-mm. The two of you. Mm-mm. He was in kindergarten, and goofy stuff kept happening. Mm-hmm. Dad, what's white? These kids told me I couldn't play with them on the playground because I'm not white. Man. His school is like 5% white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Uh, my teacher kicked me out of class. Why? Because I, I kept calling out. I was supposed to raise my hand, but I was just so excited because she was pronouncing basilisk wrong. And she started talking about phobias. And, you know, I've been reading this book about phobias, National Geographic, you know. And, and uh, my librarian wouldn't give me the book I wanted. You mean the book you read all the time, The Magic Treehouse? She wouldn't give it to me because I'm in kindergarten. Mm. She just said, no, it's not a kindergarten book. You, you can't read that. <laughs> oh, God. So it, it was stuff like that, especially when the teacher kicked him out of class and her and the principal were like, we didn't kick him out. It was a redirection. And I was like, okay, y'all are driving me crazy because it's 2018. I'm starting to teach teachers in different mm-hmm. parts of the country and I work in the same district as y'all. Y'all going to hit me with the bosh? Mm-hmm. So that happened. But then shortly after that, that very next summer, he started writing books. So those same Magic Treehouse books that they wouldn't give him in the library that one time, he started writing new ones. Wow. And then I was like, well, if you're that into it, and then I saw where the author was coming to town, to the Texas Book Festival. Okay. So we took him his baby sister who couldn't even walk yet. My wife, we all went to the Texas book festival and he brought that handwritten draft. He illustrated it. He wrote all the chapters, page numbers. Like he went, he went there. I was like, dang, we sit down in the tent. Well, they sit down in the tent. Cause I'm pushing my daughter around a stroller thinking we have no chance. Cause this thing's so packed. And now I'm realizing this lady is super popular. I knew Beverly Cleary back in my elementary day. Okay. I never heard of Mary Pope Osborne. Right. But she's hot now, right? And so he's got his book that he wants signed. He's got his book that he wrote. And they're sitting in the back row. And it just happens to be her agent sitting to their right and her agent's son sitting to their left. So she flips through the book. She's impressed. She introduces him to Mary Pope Osborne. And they start mailing him free books. I'm like, it's an omen. He should write books. Mm-hmm. I've never written a book. But I've put out some music before. I know something about being independent. One of the main inspirations for me putting out my album, Creating Hustle, was another person who put out a book independently. And so anyway, I said, we can figure it out. But we can't. Because he was like, I, I really want to sign books at half price. I want to be an author. But he was like seven. Right, right. Exactly. So I was like, oh, we can figure this out. But I, don't, I know we're not going to put out any fake Mary Pope Osborne books and get sued or Look crazy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what we're going to do. And then one day, January 2019, this mirror concept came in my head. And I told my wife and my son, and they were like, oh, that solves the problem. I was like, what problem? They were like, remember, we can't do the Magic Treehouse books, but we can use that mirror kind of like the treehouse. I was like, ooh. So from there, we started planning. Wow. Yeah. I did a lot of the writing. Mm-hmm. He crafted the story, told me who should go where. I just basically treated it like I was a middle school English teacher, the way that we kind of planned it out and worked on it together. Um, But since then, he's written 
few books on his own. One that he's finishing right now that he's pretty excited about, so it might come out. But it was really just me and my wife trying to be good parents, where if your child shows he has a gift, then you try to do what you can to set him up to get a taste of, well, this is what that could be if you're really interested in that. Same thing with basketball or, you know, science or whatever. But it was almost just like an experiment. I bet we could put this thing out ourselves. We figured it out. Um, I started selling hip hop, grew up hoodies. Um, the fall, the same fall, we had the first idea as a way to just save up money to mm-hmm. pay an illustrator to print books. It just kept going. Man, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean the self publishing game, self publishing hustle. It's cool. I mean, it's kind of a pain. Like, yeah, who wants to go to post office all the time? I went to the post office today. Yeah. To mail a T-shirt and a book. Yes, today. I've been to the post office a billion times. I know there's other ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't sell our books on Instagram. I mean, not Instagram. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. We, uh, we probably do sell books on Instagram. No, we don't sell them on Amazon. Because we, you know, I'm hard-headed, old-school, independent, hip-hop type. So I'm still working off of that model. But... Who knows, man? The more stuff that he writes, it's a possibility it can go much farther than that. Yes. I try to stay in my lane and just be true to what I know as a way to lift up my wife, my children. But I don't overextend myself and pull a hamstring either because if they want to go farther than those basics that I understand, I support that too and we'll have to learn more about it together. But I know how to get ideas off the ground where people respect them and the quality of what you're getting off the ground is viewed in the same light as, you know, kind of the commercial standard product. Like I know how to conceive and iterate and put out a good product. So that opportunity was there. Mm -hmm. And here comes dad. Now my kids want to start a band. So here we go. Wow. Yes, please. And now you've got you've got a record coming too for, to accompany the book. Oh, this is true, but you know how long it takes to press vinyl now. I've heard. So I'm not going to name the company, but it'll be three months from the time anybody hears this mm-hmm. that we actually get those seven inches in. Mm. And by then, I will have figured out how to do split sheets again. Yep, and probably put it on somewhere digital, but I don't know. I'm still in that mind frame of why would I put it on Spotify? Yeah. But I probably should. Well, like in true form of everything I've done in my life, like things like falling apart at all times. Like when I finally (laughs) started, got my thing together with Spotify was when everybody was canceling Spotify and all this. I'm like, but I'm still going to, I don't care. I want to be on every platform. See what we can do. Podcast? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I didn't mention who's on the song. Yes. Cause I'm not. Okay. It's a Charlie boy. Does the hook? He does the first yep. verse. Then Queen Dila comes in, and then Easy comes in, and it was uh, Easy Key. Lee and Mojo and yeah, Third Roots. And Third Roots. So it was Keys and Kobe, John Keys, Reggie Kobe that produced it. Okay. And then on the B side, we have a condensed, abbreviated version of the score. So we already have a score for the audiobook that I haven't even recorded yet. Wow. I have all these plans, and I decided that I would not waste time in doing these things. Like, I still see the animated series. Mm -hmm. But for now, let's take care of this vinyl. So we were invited out to Kyle, Texas, 
the ranch of Gary Clark Jr. And would you like a mint julep with that? Um, And so, yeah, he brought us out there. He recorded it. You know, me, D-Manage, John, Reggie went out there, did our Man. thing. And he recorded everything, audio, video, for the entire time we were there. And then just gave it to us. And Correct. so that's where the B-side came from, is that we were able to go out there and get that sketched out and then do some po- post-production on it. And, uh, yeah, I didn't even give him credit. Man. But I do remember Matt Sanzala was like, yeah, you need to be doing a show with Gary Clark Jr. at Anton's. Yeah. <laughs> right? My mother was at that show and her husband, Roger. Yes. That was a big deal. And I went to L.A., and by the time I came back, he was a superstar. Crazy. King Coffee of the Butthole Servers and Craig were the DJs that night, Craig Stewart. Mm. That was a crazy night. Mm-hmm. It was packed. Yeah. Right after Christmas, uh, like 08-ish. Yeah. But, uh, man, I don't funny, remember what year. Funny he owns Antone's, part owner of that, because that was his, his home. Mm-hmm. They used to take care of him, good care of him, too, because sometimes I would open up for him, and it's like, did you mean to give us this much money? Huh. It's crazy. The band was always like, wow. Yeah. Now it's great. But it's man. Such an amazing success story. You know, and speaking of success, it's like there's so many ways to view what success means as an independent artist. But I think if you put in a good amount of time as a hip hop artist, especially if you had to be an opening act to the stars. Mm-hmm. I was able to go back and look at that experience. Cause I remember a time where I was like, I'm taking this off my website. Why would I have a list of people I opened up for? What is that? A professional opening act. But now I realize like the value of what that really provided. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm glad I opened up for all these amazing dreamy people. Cause now I realize what I was actually doing. It was like somebody paid $80 mm-hmm. to go with a friend to a concert and get some drinks and have dinner and buy some of that concert artist merch, right? And they're waiting and they're on their second drink and out comes somebody they did not ask to see. And for 20 minutes, that person, that's me, is trying to convince this person who spent all this money to see somebody else that they should like them. That's me open an act and inevitably a nice percentage of those people would come and purchase merchandise and be interested and find out, Oh, you're local. Oh, that's cool. And some of them really meant that, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, of course. but the, the fact that they didn't know is amazing, which means again, there's a product Beyonce um, that they can regard as equivalent or worth not being local, right? Yeah. And sure. so I realized that the courage, the audacity and the spontaneity and the yeah, to 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 step out in front of people who you know did not ask you to spend 20 more minutes making them wait. Mhm. I realized that that particular situation is actually really good for a lot of things. Um, humility being one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, humility. But I mean, you're warming up the audience. You're warming up the place. If they want to be warmed up, it's it yeah. means something to have some. Even if it, you know, 
It builds that builds that anticipation. It really does. And I'm sorry, but people were blessed to have Bobby Blake's open the show in a city like Austin that is, you know, plagued with pay to play and yeah, not just Austin at all. It's everywhere. But I mean, like, there was a certain era where I mean, this is one thing. Here's the difference between Austin and Houston hip hop wise before it really blew into the real legitimate Dallas. live music venues. Dallas. Did you, so get, Dallas did you hook cooler. me up with De La Soul in Houston too? Or is Jeff Messina? Probably Jeff. Okay. Depends yeah. what year it was. That but, was scary. But the thing was, um, like in Houston, if you went to see a rapper, like the big name, the person you wanted to see, mm-hmm. a lot of the times there was sometimes there was opening acts. Even the opening acts wouldn't go until one thirty or two half the time. But oh, but I'm talking about before when it was in the clubs. I I differentiate between clubs and live music venues. Right, like right, there right. was a time in Houston where there was no, like rap wasn't at the live music venue. It was in the club. Right. And so you would have the DJ playing radio music the whole night. A guy like me, who especially before I could drink or whatever, I'd just be nerd hoping to not miss anything. So I'd get there early, mm-hmm. ten or something. Never did they go on before one. Sometimes to, <clears throat> and there'd be nothing, just the DJ duh, 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 all night playing the radio songs. Mm-hmm. But then you come to Austin and it would be the other side of the coin with like 15 opening acts <laughs> and both were equally annoying. Yeah. In certain ways. But when you find that gem opening artist, when you know, that's for me, that's the, the icing on all the cakes. That's the best yeah. thing. Yeah. The that- new something I haven't heard or seen before. And it, that reminds me of the trust factor, too. Like, you're in Houston, you're a promoter, and you trust me and my people to drive all the way down there and go before a day La Soul and not make your concert look bad. That's a lot of trust. No, but we knew. People knew. Jeff knew. Jeff was real with it. But He's I'm just, real with it. You but know, like, I'm saying in retrospect. Right. It's like you get to a point where it's like, oh, well, I ain't doing that no more, so I was just an opening act. And, you know, you get kind of that. That lie starts to talk to you in your head. So I'm grateful to be around long enough to realize, okay, the value of that was not superstardom, mm-hmm. but the value of that was just a lot of character building and a lot of ways of learning how to be respectful of people's time and just, just a lot of weird kind of unconventional value um, that you I wouldn't mean, think. Because you're thinking about it as this is an opportunity to blow up. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought at the time. An opportunity to get my name out, da 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 blah, blah, build a, but it was the actual value of it. You know, it's kind of like going to college. If you think you're going there for a GPA and a degree, okay. But the real, real value is it's a little more, it's a little deeper than that. For real? Yeah. Training, straight up. Training. Like 20 years later, you'll think you can just put out a children's book. Exactly. There it is. <laughs> or whatever. Man. I love that though. I love those days. I've, I I miss the uh, the Bobby Blake shows. <laughs> we got one Sunday. Oh man, Hip Hop Hump Day, twenty year reunion. <laughs> and I literally somehow never was at a Hip Hop Hump Day. Oh, you coming this week? Oh man, let me see. I'm gonna check, <laughs> see about that. I don't know. Maybe um, I gotta see. Uh, well, I should. The, the good news is, every dollar at the door goes to E4 Youth and Dawa. Oh, nice. Every dollar at the door. Well, that's that's definitely worth it. Yeah. Thank you, Herd Presents. Is that Empire? Yeah, Empire Herd. Thank you, Herd and Empire for uh, making this happen. Yep, yep, yep. And if we don't destroy the place, we might perform again soon. 
but we, you know, that ended in 2002, 20 years later. Wow. The fact that people still care about such a thing is hilarious. But uh, the fun aspect for me is, you know, I can get an honest day's pay. Yep. And see whether or not I can still freestyle. Oh, please, come (laughs) on. You can freestyle. It's going to be dope. I mean, I can freestyle at least as good as the average freestyle. But I'm talking about, in my mind, I need to be, like, nice. Yep. And I'm probably not nice. I'm probably oh, I'm probably nice. On. No. Oh, I'm nice. You haven't fallen off it. I know you have. But nah, like, you know, I can never top the year 2000. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose, man. Who knows? The bar's a little lower now anyway, so. Uh, it's lower and higher. If you think about what people memorize on those battle rap. Well, yeah. God. I hate please. those. You do? <laughs> well, you the it, ones that are like res- super written but ones. But you got to respect it. They remember that. Well, I respect it just like I respect you saying you were an opening artist because you do. What did you do today? You woke up. Thank God you're here. You're still here every day up until this moment. You woke up and had a day and a night, and you did what you did, and it was all built up to this moment. But also, I can go and speak for an hour for five, six, seven grand, mm -hmm. and because there's no beat, it's so much easier. Mm -hmm. Or being a teacher, I don't have to know every song. You know what I mean? I'm, 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 I, I understand now how to navigate between the script and freestyling. So now as a teacher, it's like, oh, he's got something special. Man, I got that from doing all them concerts. Exactly. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hidden value. I hear you. I hear you. No, it's great. And I'm so excited. So happy to just see you, man. Like, it's this life stuff. We've got so many other things going on, it's hard to, to catch up, and I'm glad we finally got to catch up. We've got a lot to catch up on, man. Yeah, in this bizarre world, man. You know, I'm hoping no. these, these daughters walk through the door while you're here, and you can, you can see they're maybe taller. No, not quite. They're up there. Though. They're, they're tall as us, almost. Mm-hmm. Lately, man, it feels like somebody could flip a switch, and I'll just never see you again, you know? Or is no, that just me? say that. Um, I live in terror of that all the time for some of the losses we've had in these last few years, man. It's, uh, I can't even, you know, I can't process Zen being gone. I can't process Chris being gone, DJ Steph, JD, Mm. like the list of, there's too many lists, man. And like, yeah, I mean, like it's not even, uh, those all kind of happen. You know, people talk about mental health and all these things a lot now, which Uh we didn't when we were younger. Very uh-huh. often, if at all. And uh, it's an interesting topic that you hear so many youth talk about it. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't want people to lean on it too much, but I also want them to gain an understanding of it. But then when you think about, like, as you get older and, you know, you lose some of these people and some of the, the most important people in your life, like, and you're 50, I'm 50. Yep. Man, it's a trip. So, like, I had some moments in the last years yep. to come back up out from, you know, I didn't want to be out like that anymore. I didn't want to be, like, I was just, you know, I was at a meat market in Pennsylvania take, when I was taking care of my mother for a while, and I got a text from Josh about Chris Cree. Mm-hmm. I was like, you just texted me that? But then that was all the way out of the blue. Mm. Zen killed by a drunk driver. He was sitting at a red light. Not even driving. He was sitting at the red lights. Yeah. Anything could happen, man. So it Anything. is. It's a blessing. We got. We have to make the most of every single day. Anything stay in touch with the people, our people we love. I mean, I was off social media for two years. That's smart because 
when you talk about <clears throat> mental health, exactly. I think a lot of our kind of, I, th- I mentioned that phrase earlier, consensual reality. Mm-hmm. I got it from some Robert Kiyosaki book called If You Want to Be Rich and Happy, Don't Go to School. Mm. But anyway, consensual reality. I need to read that. <laughs> I mean, Robert Kiyosaki's a trip, but he's yeah. known for Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, okay, um, right, right, right. And he's a trip, but I'm reading his book, so whatever. Um, our consensual reality of how we live every day seems to be more damaging to the common person's mental health than however we would live in 20, 30 years ago. Immediately is what I mean. It seems more immediately dangerous to our mental health. Mm -hmm. Something in the air and the water and the cloud seems to be more immediately damaging to mental health than 30, 40 years ago. Am I tripping? Not at all. I mean, it's, and you're not just old or any of that. It's, we didn't have these things in our face and we were not posing all day. Mm. Maybe you don't pose all day. Maybe I don't pose all day, but we do, you know, and you look at your phone, there's a reflection of your face in some way without, with or without the camera, you know, every time you don't just, Mm. we did not do that at all. Nope. There was nothing like that. We read words on paper, you know, if that. And if, you know, if you read, you'd read, <laughs> but like, man, no, that, that whole thing is like, I think about getting older in this music. One thing I always, there's a, the first person who ever gave me a, an assignment was a guy named Jim Testa. His magazine was called Jersey Beat, mm-hmm. just a punk fanzine in New Jersey. And he let me write a rap column and some other stuff. But, um, and I was young, young, but, uh, I would look at him and be like, man, you know what? He was probably 30 at the time. I probably thought he was 50. I don't know. You know, he was older, older, though, as far as, like, he wasn't 17, for sure. And I looked at him, and I was like, you know what, man? I want to be like him in the sense that I never uh, turn my nose up to the the, the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, he would go see a pop punk band, like a Green Day type thing, before Green Day. You know, but, like, he would go see a band that just, I was 17 going, like, this is the most recycled BS ever, you know, there's nothing original about this band or whatever. And he'd be like, man, I really, that guitar player was just amazing. That was really this. Da, da, da. Like, he was like way into these things. Mm-hmm. And I always admired that. I was like, man, I want to be that. Yeah. And I had to re I realized recently when I was really, really hating on a certain era of what was a down point and what I think in rap where I was like, man, I am getting old. But then I was like, you know what? I didn't like posers when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't like people talking about themselves. Uh-oh, once that. Unless that's the move, you got to let them make it. Yeah. Did you know a brother and sister called the Bishops? Yes. Yeah? All right, well, guess where they went to high school? Hey, man, Elena making a special guest appearance on the podcast, just passing through real quick. Crazy. I know the Bishops from da- uh, Denver, don't I? Or they live out somewhere like oh, that. Oh, that I'm naming the wrong group. The bishops. Or the- this is a brother and sister. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm thinking of a different group. You're right. I might be too. I'm thinking of a husband and wife. Oh, no, no, no. And they were down with Zen and stuff too out there. I'm thinking about a brother and sister. But anyway, I, they went to school like right down the street. Because I was in a classroom one day and I was like, I know this dude from somewhere. He in a band? Oh, wow. But uh, point being, we can try to disconnect. Yeah. But. We're still connected to these young folks. No, it's great, you know, and I want to be. 
Absolutely. You I better still, be. Yeah, I still listen to, especially the instrumental music. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're not saying I anything. You. I hear you. I love that. I heard some new Mace. Did you post that? Somebody just posted Dude. something. I saw someone post something about Mace, and I didn't know why. I didn't uh, look into it. I didn't post it. But, uh, yeah, he was going at Diddy. <laughs> oh, great. Um, but it was cool because, on the one hand, he had that new style hook. And it was like, gah. He had auto-tune on his voice the whole song. But Mace will never have bad flow hmm. to me. So it was cool to hear him rap. Well, that's great. It was cool to hear him rap. I wasn't excited about what he had to say about Diddy. Da, 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 da. No. I just like to hear that, you know, I know he's one of the smoothest rappers we ever heard. And he still had a smooth delivery. I'm going to have to look for it. Way to go, Pastor Mace. Huh. Yeah. Well, man, I hope everything goes really well with all your endeavors. Hip Hop Hump Day, I'm going to figure that out on Sunday. I'm going to see yeah. the H3 reunion. It'll be hard to miss. We've all had surgeries. Yeah. What was your last surgery? Hmm. I think I've only really had arthroscopic surgery on my knee. Okay. How long ago was that? That was 91. Okay. okay. I had a uh, cross-linking or keratoconus, keratoconus in my left eye. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I'm remember still trying that. to get the cloud off my cornea. Like when I wink like this, yep. I can see the shape of you, mm-hmm. but I can't see you. Oh, geez. But right here, I can see you. Mm-hmm. So here we go. That's till, it. Till we meet again. I'm going. I'm. In the, I'm. I'm in that fifty club now. So I got to do things that I never wanted to do ever in life. But we're gonna got to do it. Oh yeah, they got to keep ourselves alive. Oh, you mean do. like a prostate check? No, I've had that actually. How was that? I mean, it's not great. Were you awake? Yes. I don't think it's as bad as the colonoscopy. But so I've you got to do both. Yeah, they're different things. Which one can you go to sleep? The colonoscopy, I think. Okay. Prostate, you got to stay awake. It's pretty, yeah, I guess. I didn't go, I haven't had anesthesia, no. Oh, I haven't done it yet. Scale of one to ten. Uh, Stay alive. You have to do it. That's it at some point. But I mean, dang. I don't like that answer, but that's real. So real. So real, yes. And, uh. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but I had a situation where my doctor said, getting rid of the cat. Anyways, the doctor was like, oh, we have to check. I said, okay. Went through all this rigmarole like three times. And in the end, they were like, yeah, you're perfectly normal. And then I got a $700 bill above the insurance. Hmm, great. So maybe don't get it yet. Wait till someone tells you to, yeah. I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared of all of that. Are you kidding me? How long did it hurt? Oh, it didn't hurt. It didn't really hurt. It's just uncomfortable. It just sucks. Oh, but it didn't really hurt. Not really. I mean, it's not like some huge thing or whatever, but it oh. it was uh it was whack. <laughs> nothing I want to do ever. But it wasn't like it's nothing you can't do. It's something that's like it is what it is. The technology's there. Shh. I heard on the colonoscopy, you got to take a couple of days off of work. Really? Oh. Yep. I hope the technology has progressed since then. I heard that like months ago. Oh. From skin. Great. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening to another edition of Colonoscopy. <laughs> of Talk So Real. This is real talk about some things. For real. I mean, but, it, you know, if you can do it, that's, you know, the real talk is when you can't do it, when you don't have that option available to you. Right, the and other you alternative. you never get it, you know, you don't mm-hmm. get checked, and it goes too far, man. Like, so many people, uninsured, un, you know, unaware, no. So, yeah, we've lost too many people. I'm so thankful you're still here. I'm so thankful to see Rick and Carlos and all the folks yesterday, man. It was everybody showed out. I'm missing people. I mean, a lot of people came out, and uh, it's crazy. We're here, South by Southwest again. Episode three. You better have Toby on here next time. You better come back with Trey to Truth. Mm. Where was Trey to Truth? I do need to get Trey on here for sure. Mm-hmm. He's not going to answer that question. Don't hate. He's not going to. He's going to be like, you know, that'd be the answer. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. He's a real, I, he's a really good rapper. I am way overdue for a real talk with uh with Trey the Truth for sure though. I want to know where he was. Please ask him where he was. Uh, the night of the rodeo. Yeah, the VIP. I don't know. Yeah, I know I was there, and I'm so thankful. And uh, big ups, Bun B. Big ups, everybody who listened to this. In any podcast, please tell a friend to tell a friend and maybe let them know it's ellsmirror.com, right? Yeah. ELSmirror.com. ELS mirror.com. Anything else? Anywhere else to find uh, what you've got going on? Uh, Hiphopgroup.com or at Bavu Blakes. But I, man, I'm terrible at social media. I don't want to do nothing on there. I don't, I don't want to, I don't. I'm um I'm with you and I'm on it. I'm posting my little podcasts on there and trying my best to just not engage. I don't want to get in any more fights. No more internet fighting for Matt Sanzala. That's how it is. So I probably won't be at Hump Day. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't know. We'll see. Trey the Truth Mute. No, this ain't Trey. <laughs> he got 4,000 followers. Oh, here we go. Trey ABN. Oh, if you're looking at his social media, he's had his daughter that last week. And he was all over Houston with her. Oh, a newborn? No. He, you have to, I'm not going to get into it on a pot. You, have to, you can read all about it on his Instagram. He oh. explains everything. Well, I don't see him at the rodeo. No. But maybe I'm not looking in the right place. Hmm. Hmm. All right. I just, that's what I want to know. Where's Trey the Truth? Not where is he, but where was he when y'all had all those Houston legends on that stage? Because trade the truth is with the people. Man, I tell you, I don't question these things anymore. Okay. We just move on to the next one. Okay. Well, see, Cause I'm not I'm not about that life, so I can just ask. Yeah. I've been, I wonder, I wonder a lot of things about yeah. this stuff. But there's, there's been so many things like where, why were we not included here? Not we, as me and you, but like Houston or Austin or mm-hmm. these sort of things. But that's another podcast, man. I definitely appreciate you. Yes, sir. And yes, uh, sir. we should do this again. We should, we need to team up. Me and Rapper Rick are supposed to team up. We got some things coming. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, we hate the social media, but it's Talk So Realist on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not on the Facebook machine, although Instagram sort of is. And I'm uh, <laughs> what I'm on LinkedIn. There you go. Give me a job. I'll LinkedIn. take it. 
All right, y'all. All right. Thank you, Bobby Blakes. Let's talk so real. <laughs>